We're going to continue this morning in our series, God's Prescription. Last week, we went through God's prescription for power. And we talked about how God's design, his intent, his invitation for you, every person, every man, every woman, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is to walk in a present tense relationship with the Holy Spirit that brings power for every situation, every circumstance, everything that you're called to do and be as a man or woman of God. So if you missed that, go back and listen to that. Today, I wanna talk to you about God's prescription for peace. And God's word has some things to say about every area of life. And how many of you know that in a world with many opinions and varying opinions and emerging opinions and preferences about how to do life, how to do marriage, how to manage your finances, how to do sexuality, confusion about identity, I believe with everything in my heart that what we need is not another opinion, but we need a returning to God's opinion about the things. The very word of God, this is the only firm foundation all the opinions of the world and the preferences of man will be shaken, but God's word will stand forever. I'm just telling you, you can trust God. You can build your marriage on this book. You can build your purpose, your sense of identity on this book. You can build your, your, everything about your life. You can build it on the word of God. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22 is a key verse for the series. It says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today and to give us ears to hear, to hold on. He says, hear my words. Hold, hold on to them. Don't, don't lose sight of them. And I, I want to encourage you and ask you, would you have that kind of faith today, the trust that the Lord wants to speak to you? He wants to speak to you. He wants to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in your life. We're not just here just to sing a few good songs and hear a few dad jokes and go about our Father's Day. We are here to encounter the living God. So Lord, we thank you for uh, your heart, God, today for every man, woman, and young adult in this place. Every person who's joining online, thank you that your heart is to come and to strengthen us, to heal us, to restore us, God, in any place, in any of our lives, Lord, where we're weak or weary or wounded or hurting or, or, or searching for the way forward, God, we thank you that today your heart is to come and to bring hope and to bring healing and to bring strength and to bring direction, God, by the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We need your voice, Lord. We need your heart, God. We can't do everything that you've called us to do. We can't be or become everything you've called us to be or become without you, without your word. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for strengthening us, reminding us of some things, revealing some things maybe we've never seen or known before about who you are and about who we are in you. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said I want to talk to you about God's prescription for peace. And Luke chapter 21 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, verse 25. And he says, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, catch this, men's, heart, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up. Somebody say, look up. And lift your heads because your redemption draws near. So this is Jesus speaking about things to come. I believe that every day that we live, we're obviously one day closer to what he's writing about. And here's the thing. I think that we see what he's speaking of right here happening all throughout the world. People's hearts failing them for fear of the future. 
I'm just telling you, it's just true. We, the, the, the World Health Organization, before you began to know them for their response to COVID and Chinese labs and vaccines and everything a few years ago, they declared that depression and anxiety were the number one threat to global health. 248 million people are clinically depressed. And it's not just the depression, it's the fact that it's exponential. The effect that depression has on your physical body, the effect that depression has on your relationships, it's exponential. 248 million people depressed, but listen, your body is not designed to operate in a state of anxiety. It's designed to operate in a state of peace. And I'm gonna show you today in God's word, that is the heart of God for you. Every believer, every man, every person, every young adult, that you have an inheritance of peace. The good news is that as a believer in Christ, God has made the way. It's not dependent on you kind of getting it right or figuring it out. It's dependent on you. Here's, a, here's one way to say it. Peace for the believer is not tied to how things go. It's tied to who you know. Romans 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. He's speaking of religious rules and regulations. He's saying, don't get caught up in all that stuff. Should I do this? Should I do that? He said, what God's heart is for you, the kingdom he's rescued you into is a matter of righteousness, which is right standing with God. It's not just behavior, it's positional. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know who you are. I want you to have joy. And if you are a part of my kingdom, you can have a lasting peace. Listen, Jesus in Hebrews first, uh, verse, or chapter 7 rather, is described as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of peace. Jesus, Revelation 21, I think it's verse 2, says that Jesus will rule in a city, a new Jerusalem. Jerusalem means city of peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6 is describing the Lord, and it says, He's wonderful, He's counselor, He's mighty God, everlasting Father, He's the Prince of Peace. Listen, God's heart for you is to walk and live in peace. And here's the thing is peace is powerful. Peace is powerful. The world has some ideas about what peace is and what it isn't. Peace is powerful. Peace is not kumbaya on the side of a mountain wearing yoga pants and drinking a chai latte. You could be in that place doing that and your heart can be a, can be a sea of turmoil and fear. Peace is, is not a place that you can fly to. It's not a destination. It's not a car you can drive. It's not something that you can acquire. Peace is a person. And peace is powerful. Romans 16 verse 20 says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Peace is a powerful force that when apprehended and when held onto in your life will help you to get to all the things that God is calling you to be led through and seen to. I'm just telling you, peace is the operating system that God desires for every believer to live in. The Bible is filled with all sorts of paradoxes. What do you mean, Pastor T? Well, we live we die rather to live, we give to receive, we labor to enter into rest, and here's the thing, we fight for peace. We fight for peace. You're gonna have to contend for the peace of your heart. You're gonna have to fight for the peace of your mind. You're gonna have to fight for the peace over your home. Again, we die to live, we give to receive, we labor to enter rest, and we must learn to fight for peace. Isn't that what God said, Matthew 5, verse 9? Blessed are the peacemakers. And you know what I've learned over the years is that there really are two groups of people. There are peacemakers and there are peacetakers. I'm just telling you, there are people who just 
when they show up in the room, they bring a sense of peace to the meeting, to the room, to the interaction. And then there are people that you encounter and they do anything but that. They are stealing and zapping and draining. It's like they're just a magnet for, for just anxiety and fear and worry and oppression and what might go wrong. And I'm telling you, the Bible, as Christians, we ought to be carriers of peace. When we show up in the meeting, when we show up in the problem, when we show up near the hospital bed, there ought to be a sense of peace that we are bringing, not because we're better than anyone else, but again, not because of how things go, but because of who we know. And recently, we had our air conditioning go out. How many of you know it's not a good time for that to happen? And, and it reminded me of an analogy that the Lord used over the years for me, and that's the difference between thermometers and thermostats. And as Christians, we are called to be thermostats. Thermometers reflect the conditions around them with no power to do anything about it. Thermostats understand the reality of the temperature of the room around them, but thermostats are connected to a source that allows them to draw from and initiate something that brings a transformation in the atmosphere of that room or that home or that house or that office. And I'm telling you, as a believer, blessed are the peacemakers. When you show up on the scene, there ought to be peace that shows up on the scene with you. Here's, so I wanna go through why this is significantly important to you, to your life, and then we'll unpack how we walk this out, God's prescription for peace. Here's why it's important. Number one, it's relational. Peace is relational and transactional. These are just significances of the peace that Jesus has in his heart for you to live in and walk out. It's the heart of the Lord for you. John 14, 27 are the words of Jesus, and he says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he says, not as the world gives, which the world can give a measure of peace, but it's fleeting and circumstantial. It's found in small doses. That website, that bottle, those, pe th that, those pills, that person, there's a dose of peace that you might find, but I'm telling you, you're gonna need another hit of it tomorrow. And Jesus says, if you abide in me, there's a peace that you can have that is abiding. It's not fleeting, it's not circumstantial, it's relational. It transcends your circumstances. We'll get into that here in a little bit. He says, it's not as the world gives. There's a peace that the world will give you. And he said, the peace that I give you is different. It's deeper. It's beyond. It's significantly different. And you know, I think it's powerful that he says, I give you. And he also says, I leave you. And, and you might think, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? Was he just reiterating? I don't think he was. I think he was using specific language. He said, I leave it to you. And you know, when you when you when when someone has an inheritance, you are left an inheritance. And here's what I know about inheritances is that it's a gift, it's a blessing, it's an endowment, it's an investment, it's a, it's a material thing, it's a home, it's, a, it's an investment package, it's something that someone else has built, someone else has carved out, someone else has earned and saved that they are now giving to you solely because you're family. And he says, I leave my peace with you, it's the inheritance for every believer. He, said, he says, I came and I, I, I defeated sin, death, and the grave, I came and I rescued you out at the cross of Calvary through my death, my burial, and my risen life. And he said, now there's a peace that I have apprehended because of who I am, this is Jesus talking, and because of, 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 of what I've done for you, there's a peace that I have gone to the depths of Sheol and I have taken the keys of the enemy. I've got a peace that now I am leaving to you and it's your inheritance. It's your inheritance. You don't have to go and earn it. You just have to receive it through relationship. It's relational and it's transactional. The cross of Jesus Christ is a powerful force. There was a transaction that occurred at the cross of Jesus Christ 
the price that he paid. We pray that prayer every week together. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price I could not pay. There's a peace that is tied to the transaction that occurred when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. In other words, it's about who you belong to. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did, we've been justified, which means declared or made righteous in the sight of. That is who you are. This scripture applies to you. Look at your neighbor, say it applies to you. It applies to you, it applies to you. You have been justified in the sight of Jesus, in the sight of God the Father because of what Jesus did. And I heard someone say one time, justified, whenever you look at that, you can understand and realize that when the Father looks at you because you've been justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's how he sees you. And it says, because Jesus came and made a way that we could be justified, we have peace with God. This, this, this um, abyss that existed between myself and God because of my sin, my pride, my rebellion has been dealt with. God now sees me as justified and now I have peace with him. There is no longer turmoil between his heart and mine. He looks at me and he doesn't see my past. He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't even see my current struggles. He sees a blood-bought child of God who is living his life by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in no other thing or person. You've been justified. This is you. You've been justified. You have peace with God. It's relational and it's transactional. You know, when we lived in South Texas, when we moved here, we lived kind of all over Texas, or I did for sure. Born and raised in the northernmost part of the Texas Panhandle near Amarillo and then lived and farmed even further north in, in the Texas Panhandle near a town called Dalhart, between Dalhart and Dumas. Then moved to help my parents start a church in west central Texas in a town called Abilene. So I had the north covered, now I've got west central Texas covered. That's kind of like right in the heart of Texas right there. And then my wife and I moved back in, what, 2012 to uh, New Year's Eve of 2012 to Brownsville, Texas, which is deep in the south southernmost corner of Texas. It's where the Rio Grande River flows into the Gulf of Mexico. Right there across the border is Matamoros, Mexico. That's where we, we live. That's where we moved here directly from. And it's in the news right now with everything that's going on on the border. And, but here's the thing is, it was a reality that anytime you would drive out of town and go somewhere, especially when you went north or west, you would inevitably have to go through a border checkpoint. And you'd see the, the lights flashing when they were actually conducting the checkpoints and you would see the traffic backing up and we would slow down to go through the traffic checkpoint. And here's the thing that I wanna encourage you with. As we approached that, that checkpoint, no doubt there were people in that line of cars who were anxious, fearful, fretting, worrying because of something that they had in their, in their trunk or because of the fact that they were not citizens of this country. We never got nervous or anxious as we were approaching that checkpoint. Why? Because we knew where we were citizens of. And I'm telling you, as you go through life, you need to understand that while you're on this side of eternity in this earth, dealing with fallen people and fallen circumstances, you are a citizen of heaven. This is just a temporary place for you. And when you get that, when you grasp that, I'm telling you, there's a peace that comes along with that. You'll never fret, you'll never worry, you'll never fear when you fully understand. Listen, I'm going through some stuff, there's some real things, real challenges because I'm living in a fallen world, but my citizenship is not of this place, I am a citizen of heaven. He's with me, he's for me. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34, Jesus is again talking, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And, and listen, he, I, I mean, as I'm reading this, he's speaking into our culture today. 
people that are worried and fearful about what, where, how, how I look and who I'm with and what I do and my, my status in the culture. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The answer to that is yes. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And the answer to that is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith in the answer to that is yes, he will. So do not worry. So do not worry. Come on, look at someone next to you say, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. This is Jesus telling you, come on, Pastor T's having you say, and I'm, it's not my idea, this is Jesus. These are red letter words, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? And those are just symbolic things about just my life and the things that are about my life. He said, don't worry about all the things of this world. He said, the pagans, the people who don't know God are running after these things, they're chasing after these things. And he says, but your, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. You're justified. You have peace with God. You're a child of God. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, I've never seen the flowers of the field fretting, anxious, fearful, worrying about what tomorrow will bring, about who they are. They know who they are. Never seen the sparrows that are flying around in beautiful northeast Kansas. I've never seen them flying around. I've never seen one on antidepressants. They know who they are and they're being who they were made to be. You are a child of God. You might have some situations and circumstances as you go through, as you walk through a fallen world with fallen people, but I'm telling you, you are a citizen of heaven. The full weight of God's love and his kingdom authority and victory are backing you up as you go through this life. It's relational, it's transactional, um, it's directional. It's directional. Peace is directional in your life. In the Old Testament, there's an amazing passage. There's an amazing concept uh, called these two stones called the Urim and the Turim. And they're, they're seen throughout the Bible, Leviticus 8, Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 33, 1 Samuel 28, Ezra 2, Nehemiah 7. But Exodus 28, 30 is where we get the initial directions from God about what these were and how they would function in the lives of God's people and so let's just read it, verse 30, Exodus 28. This is a powerful concept that many of us as believers have never really even heard of or, or had unpacked for us. And it says, insert, verse 30, Exodus 28, insert the Urim and the Tumim into the sacred checks piece. It's talking about the priestly garments that would be worn by the priests of God. And it said, so that they will be carried over Aaron's heart when he goes into the Lord's presence. In this way, Aaron will always carry over his heart the objects used to determine the Lord's will for his people whenever he goes in before the Lord. So there's this priestly garment that Aaron was wearing and it says, take a pouch and put these stones called the Urim and the Tumim in the pouch and sew it into this garment so that that pouch rests against the heart of the priest. 
And most theologians believe that when that uh, priest would go before the Lord and he would ask questions, you see it in those other uh, chapters that I presented to you where he would go before the Lord and he'd say, should we go to war against the Philistines? Should we break camp? Should we move? That most theologians believe that there would be some sort of a supernatural phenomenon that would occur with those stones that were resting in that pouch against the heart of the priest and there there would be tangible evidence about God's will and his direction for their life and for the people of God. So he said, well, well, that's great, Pastor T, but I'm not going around with a stone sewed on, my, on the inside of my, 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 my shirt or my blouse or whatever, you know. That's the good news. You don't have to because under a new and better covenant, it's not a physical object. It's a spiritual leading. But the same principle is true. Let, watch Colossians 3.15 tells us, let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to what? To peace. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that Greek word for rule is, uh, is the Greek word brabeo. And it means to umpire, to decide, or to determine. And so he says, let that peace Let the peace of God, let it umpire, let it decide, or let it determine. I'm telling you, peace is directional. And I'm just telling you, when you are up against a decision or a direction in your life, young adults, when you're trying to decide, because here's the thing is there's a lot of decisions that you are called to make in your life that the Bible will not answer in black and white terms. Where should I live? Who should I marry? What should I do? What major should I go? I mean, there's a lot of, of decisions that you cannot afford to apply the thing that I used to do and I still do occasionally where you open up the Bible and you're just hoping that a scripture will tell you it's not gonna happen. He says, let the peace of God be the umpire of your heart. And I'm just telling you, in my own life, I'm familiar with many situations and circumstances throughout the years where I avoided or ignored, rather, the peace or the absence, rather, of peace in my heart and forged ahead with the decision because I really wanted to do it. I really wanted that transaction. I really wanted that opportunity or whatever. And I always regretted every decision that I made when there was an absence of peace. But I'm telling you, in 25 years of knowing and serving the Lord, I have never regretted a decision that was made when I had the presence of peace in my heart. Here's the thing, even when it didn't make sense in the natural. There are decisions that you will make when you have peace that won't make sense to your family or your friends or your coworkers, but I'm telling you, when the peace of God resides there, umpiring in your heart, the blessing of God will follow that decision. I'm just telling you, just try it. And if you're married and your couples... You know, we don't badger one another about decisions or whatever. We walk in unity. We say, what do you think? Do you have a piece about it? I'm just telling you, when my wife, when I say, are we supposed to do this or this or this or this? Or what do you think about that? If she says, I just don't have a piece about it, I'm telling you, I push pause on that decision until the moment where we could both come together around, around our table or, or kneeling by our bed or wherever it is and say, whatever it is that God is calling us to, we don't have all the resources. We don't have all the answers. We don't know how it's gonna go, but we have a sense of peace that the Lord is leading us in that way. And I'm telling you, peaceful Decisions are decisions that God can bless. It's directional. Number uh, three, it's protectional. It's protectional. It's relational and transactional. It's directional and peace is protectional. Again, I'm just helping you see why this is critically important to you and then we're gonna unpack how to live it out. It's protectional. Philippians 4, verse six through seven says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So there's our part, there's, the, there's what our responsibility is right there. That he's telling us, that's God's prescription right there. And he says, if you'll do these things, watch, verse seven is the follow-up, and it says, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. And listen, perhaps more than ever, I believe we need our hearts to be guarded and protected. There are many schemes, pitfalls, traps, offenses that are happening in the world. I mean, I'm just telling you, the world is, is, is just getting more complicated day by day. More than ever, we need the peace of God to be a guard around our heart. And guard, that Greek word is the Greek word pereo, and it means to protect by military force, to create or establish a military-style guard, as to prevent a hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a city from taking flight. In other words, it's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. I mean, you need to picture the peace of God is building a military-style encampment, a fortress around your heart. But we have to make a decision to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving, present our needs, our requests to God. He says, when you do that, there's a guard that will begin to be built around your heart. Listen, we live in the most prosperous, the most technologically and medically advanced. We live in the most socially connected time in the history of the world, and yet, as such, there are more people than ever who are gripped by loneliness, anxiety, depression, and despair. And you say, well, how could that be? Why would that be? Listen, it's because lasting peace cannot and will not ever be found in your bank account or your IRA. It is not a destination that can be traveled to. It's not something that can be driven. It's not, a, it's not something that can be worn. It's only found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's relational, it's transactional, it's directional. If, if, the, if the enemy can knock out your sense of peace, he can take out one of the main navigational instruments that God wants to use to help you to begin to move forward towards the purposes and plans of God for your life. And it's protectional. He intends to build a protection around your heart. So, so how do we do this, Pastor T? How do we do this? That, that all sounds good. How do we do this? Here's God's prescription for peace. And number one is prayer. These are four Ps, prayer, praise, priority, which has to do with the lordship of Jesus in every area of your life, and perspective, what we're focusing on, what we're giving our attention most to. So number one, prayer. And we just were there, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, somebody say every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then the peace of God, which transcends understanding, in other words, it goes beyond what the natural circumstances might look like. It transcends that. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on situations. It's not based on the stars aligning or all the cards turning the right way. It's based on the peace of God that guards and protects your heart. Listen, prayer, so he says, it's prayer. It's prayer. And listen, I'm just telling you, for us to experience the fullness of the joy and the peace and the victory and the abundance of God, I'm, we're, not, it's not a, 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 we're not waiting for the, the perfect church service. I'm telling you, we must re return to lifestyle Christianity. Where every day we are dedicating our heart to God and every day we are hitting our knees in prayer and every day we are getting in the word of God. That's God's prescription. He said every circumstance, every situation, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, we've got to return to being a people of prayer. Listen, prayer, we've got to begin to instruct people on how to pray, and prayer is not a religious exercise that requires King James language. Prayer is a relational conversation with a good heavenly father who's known as Abba, your daddy. He cares about everything. He, if he cares about the sparrows, if he, if he cares about, about the flowers of the field, how much more does he care about your life and everything that it entails? Everything you're up against. Listen, I'm telling you, 
a good place to start if you want to begin to have a prayer life is just to document all the things that are worrying you or causing you to be anxious or have anxious thoughts and just scratch out the name at the top of that list and say, this is my prayer list. Just start by coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I don't know what to do about this. And Lord, I, I've got this situation. And Lord, that, that, that loved one or that family member is, is far from you. And Lord, this and that. I don't know where to go. And Lord, I don't know whether I should do this or do that. I'm just, take, it's what the Bible says right there. Present your request to God with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. And here's what that means. It can mean thanksgiving as in what Lord, the Lord has already done in your life. But I believe that it actually is more powerful than that because it's easier to give thanks for something that God's already done. But he's talking about presenting everything that's in the future of your life. I mean, the things that are unknown about today and tomorrow in your life. He's saying, present those things with thanksgiving. And here's the thing I think we ought to do is begin to present them in a way that says, Lord, I thank you that that thing I'm up against, you're gonna meet that need. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna see me through. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna give me wisdom. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna open the doors. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna close the doors. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna lead that family member back home. I thank you, Lord. And here, when we begin to give gratitude and thanksgiving to God in advance of what God has, is going to do, it establishes the ultimate atmosphere of faith over that prayer. It removes the middle ground of doubt and unbelief. We're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm presenting with prayer and petition and supplication, and I'm also doing it with thanksgiving. I thank you that you are a good heavenly father. I thank you that your word is filled with promises for me. I thank you, Lord, that if you came and sent Jesus, how much more will you lead me into some of these things that are in my future, the hopes, the dreams, the desires, the fears, the anxieties, the worries. I'm presenting every circumstance and situation before you in prayer. Present it to him, give it to him. First Peter 4, 7, 5, 7 rather says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The, another translation of that same scripture says, give all your worries to him. How long do I need to pray, Pastor T? Well, maybe till the point where you can leave it at the foot of the cross and walk away with peace. So if you go to God and you just pray in a way that you, you leave that moment of prayer and you're still riddled with fear and anxiety and worry and, and doubt about if will God really show up, Maybe you need to go back to that place of prayer until you can leave and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm fully giving this. I am living out and walking out what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. I'm casting all my anxieties, all my cares. I'm giving them to you. You gotta give it to God. I mean, I'm telling you, this is God's prescription for peace. You don't wanna carry that thing, that anxiety, that fear, that worry into your day. Leave it in the place of prayer and trust that God can do a better job of bringing the answer than you can ever do in your own strength. I'm just telling you, he, he, he's, he's a little better at running my world than I am. God's prescription for peace, prayer, praise, priority, perspective, praise. Isaiah 61, verse one through three, and we read the scripture often as we were going through the Free Indeed series, and it's the, the, the um, messianic prophecy about Jesus and about what his desire would be to do in your life. This is what he wanted to accomplish in your life. And, and, and it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, speaking of Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to send me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison for those who were bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, God making things right, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in, in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and here's where we're going, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And the spirit of heaviness is not that feeling that you have after you eat it and all you can eat buffet. <laughs> 
It's spiritual heaviness. Darkness, despair, oppression, fear, anxiety, worry. That spirit, he says, I'm giving you a garment of praise for. It means in exchange of. And here's what I know about. There's two places in the Bible that talk about a garment of something. One is be clothed with the garment of humility, and the other is a garment of praise. And here's what I understand is that by my own nature, I'm prideful. And clothing, here's the other thing I know, is that every day when you wake up, you have to decide what you're going to wear. You decide what you are going to put on to you. And he said, in the morning, you can make a decision. You could choose to carry around and wear all the fears and worries and anxieties of your life. Come on, real problems, real circumstances, real situations. No one's saying that you're not going through some stuff. But even in that moment, God says, I have given you a garment to wear of praise that you can exchange for the spirit of heaviness. So me and Pastor T, every morning I've got to be willing to pray. And every morning uh, beyond Sundays when there's a worship team and the lighting and everything, I've got to find a way to praise and worship God. Listen, I'm not telling you that you have to. I'm telling you that you get to. And I'm telling you that if you want to live beyond the pandemic of fear and worry and anxiety that is taking people in our culture down at an alarming rate, this is the life that you're going to have to live. There's no shortcuts to it. And, and, and we're getting what we get because we've thought that we can maybe think differently or do better or whatever. We've got to raise up our young people to be young people of prayer and, and worship and, and fasting and petitioning God and living for God and trusting God and seeking after God and going hard after God in our marriages and our families. There's no shortcuts to the peace of God resting upon that relationship and resting upon that home. We've got to be a people of prayer. And we've got to be a people of praise. What's that look like for you? What's that look like for you? What are you listening to? What are you worshiping? What are you speaking? What are you doing with that time of that commute? With that moment with your coffee, what are you, maybe it's time to turn off the cable news and maybe it's time to turn on Spotify with Bethel Music or Gateway Worship or, 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 or the Belonging Co. or whatever it is the, and just begin to just worship God and just begin to just magnify him. You know, the Bible says, come and magnify the Lord with me. And listen, here's a question, and it could come out like a trick question, but it's really not. Can God get any bigger? No, he can't. I mean, he's God. Whether I choose to recognize him or not, I mean, he's the God of the universe, the creator of all that holds the whole world in the palm of his hand. But when I worship God, he begins to get bigger to me. And the problems that I have begin to get smaller as the God that I serve begins to be magnified and get bigger in my life. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Come on, when you get in that moment, in that presence, I mean, when you're driving or whatever, we're jumping in your shower, shaving in the morning or whatever, come on, get your worship on, get your praise on. Begin to magnify the Lord. Begin to remind yourself when we praise, we're speaking and singing and declaring the word of God. We're deferring our ability to lead our life to him. We say, Lord, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in these lungs. So I pour out my praise to you only for great are you, Lord. People of prayer, people of praise, and people of priority, which has to do with lordship. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever, amen, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who wanna know Jesus as Savior. There are fewer who are willing to know him as Lord. And he says, you need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. And let me just say this. One of the surest ways to have peace in an area of your life is to make Jesus the Lord of that area of your life. 
That's, that deserves to be said again. One of the surest ways to have peace in any area of your life is to ensure that Jesus is the Lord of that area of your life. Jesus, would you be the Lord of my marriage? It just means I'm, I just, I'm trusting you. I'm looking to you. I'm leaning on you. I'm depending on you. I'm not doing it in my own strength. I'm not doing it because of something I saw on Dr. Phil. I'm not doing it because of the self-help book. I'm leaning and trusting on you. I'm making you the Lord of my life. I'm making you the Lord of my mind. I'm making you the Lord of my mouth. Come on, that's a big one. I'm making you the Lord of my finances. Come on, this isn't a message about tithing. But for 25 years, I've honored the Lord with that first fruits of every check that I've gotten, every payment that I've got. I mean, even before I became a pastor, I did it. I'm telling you, because I do that, I have perfect peace over my finances. I will never worry, fear, or fret over something financial in my life because I know I've sown in the kingdom so he has my back. I'm walking in covenant with him. The number one way to have peace in any area of your life is make Jesus the Lord of that area of your life. Isaiah 9, verse 6 we, we, we mentioned it earlier, but there's something powerful that we haven't extrapolated from it yet. It says, unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and the name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Watch this. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. Any area in your life where the government of God increases in your life, the peace of God increases in your life. The, I mean, the best way to have peace, if there's a, is there an area of your life where you are dealing with anxiety, fear, worry, doubt about the future? I mean, go back to that place and say, Lord, whatever that thing is, I mean, that my, my, my career, my education, my spouse, my future spouse, my finances, go back to that place in your life and say, Lord, what's it look like for me to make you Lord of that area of my life? And would you begin to give me the grace and the faith to begin to live in such a way? I mean, it's one thing to believe in God, it's one thing to serve God. Would you become Lord of that area of my life? I'm willing to make the difficult decisions. I'm willing to go against the grain. I'm willing to swim against the, 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 the way that the, the world is swimming. I'm willing to do those things to make you Lord over that area because I'm tired of the turmoil. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. I'm tired of doing it the way I'm telling you. If we want different results, we're gonna have to get back to doing things the way God would have us to do things. Lastly, right here, this will end right here, is it's perspective. Prayer, praise, Priority, which has to do with lordship and perspective. Philippians 4, once again, a reading on in verse 8 and 9. We've just read 6 and 7. Now 8 and 9 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and you've received from me, everything you heard and from me and saw me doing. And he says, then the God of peace will be with you. Isaiah 26, three underlines this and says, you will keep in perfect peace, say perfect peace. Come on, say it again, perfect peace. I mean, come on, that sounds like a good peace to have, right? Perfect peace, all who what trust in you. 
and whose thoughts are fixed on you. Listen, much of the anxiety, the fear, the doubt, the worry that we experience in life is because we're thinking more about our problem than we are God's promises. We're focused more on the storm than we are on the Savior. And I'm not talking about the fact that you don't have storms and that you don't have problems, but remember Joshua and Caleb, they went in with the 10 spies and they came back and there was a report that was given that said, there are giants in the land, they're nine feet tall and they're gonna take us out. Yes, it's a good place, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are so big that you have to carry one bunch of grapes. Four men have to be uh, involved in carrying just one big bunch of grapes. It's a good land, but there's giants in the land. And you remember Joshua and Caleb came back and they had a different spirit, the Bible says, a spirit of faith, and they did not argue with the idea that there was opposition position. They just said, listen, surely our God's for us. Yeah, there's some giants there, but come on, it's going to be good because they built big houses, they have big furniture, and they have big chariots. And when God takes us in that place and defeats them, not in our own strength, but because he's with us and we're walking with him in covenant, come on, we're going to inherit a good place and a good land. They didn't deny that, the, the, the presence of problems. And here's, the, here's where I'll land this message today. Peace in the life of a believer is not the absence or the presence of something, it's the presence of someone. I mean, it's knowing, man, God is with me. God is for me. Man, I, I would like to get worried about that, but I know God's got my back. I know God's leading me. I remember all the things he's seen me through. I mean, I, I stayed up all those nights worrying about that thing that I thought was going to kill me or take me out, and here I am. I'm still standing. Why would I worry about this thing? Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Let's present ourselves before the Lord and I'm gonna pray over you. Listen, what I know in a room this size, all those who are joining online is that in every one of our lives, there's some things that are going smoothly and there's some places where there's some rough patches, some places where we might really have legitimate reasons to be fearful or anxious or worrisome about life. And I'm telling you today, that is not God's will for you. He has not given you a spirit of fear anywhere in your life. And I know this is a strong statement. Anywhere in your life where there is fear or anxiety or worry, it's an indicator that there's a need for you to go to prayer. There's an indicator that there's a need for you to go to praise and worship. There's an indicator that there's a need for you to go and to prioritize, make Jesus the Lord of that area. There's an indicator that there's a need for you to take a moment and kind of step back from the situation and say, Lord, maybe there's a different way that I can look at this. Maybe there's a way I can be reminded of all the ways you've been faithful to me. And so, Lord, I just thank you. Would you just lift your hands? If you want to walk in greater levels of the peace of the Lord that is not fleeting and not circumstantial, but is deep and abiding beyond understanding, would you just lift your hands before the Lord to receive today? Whatever the Lord needs to do in your heart and your mind and your life to allow you to begin to apprehend this by faith and by grace. And Lord, I thank you for your heart for us to live in peace. My peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. That's the words of the Lord, not as the world gives you, do I give you. And Lord, I thank you. I, I, I bind every spirit of fear, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of worry, and I bind all of those things, the resulting, the ramifications, the health challenges, the relational strife, all the things that result as a matter, as a result rather of all those things, the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the doubt. And I pray in those areas, in this day, in this moment, as we make you Lord of those areas, and would you begin to just speak to your people, tell us, Lord, what, whatever you have us to do, Lord, would you give us the grace to go and do it today? And Lord, I pray in those areas, God, that right now, in that place where there's been anxiety and turmoil today, that you would speak peace, peace be still. That's what Jesus speaks to storms. Peace be still. Peace be still.
And I pray, God, that people would leave this room, leave this place, leave this moment, go back into their day, back into their home, Lord, with a sense of peace that transcends understanding that's not dependent upon them getting it all right and checking all the boxes, but is dependent on them knowing who they are in you, justified with God in Christ, peace with God established in a way that can't be stolen or taken from you. Thank you, God. Man, we receive it today. We receive it today. We receive it today. Maybe just stay in a posture of receiving, but right now, before we worship one more time, send you back out about your Father's Day. Man, what better day than Father's Day for to give people the opportunity to come home to Jesus? Give people the opportunity to run into the arms of the Father. Maybe you're here and you're what? The Bible would describe as a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. You once knew God, loved God, served God, maybe even grew up in the church, but life has happened, busyness has happened, maybe bad choices have happened, and you find yourself today really far from Him. You believe in Him, but you don't have a relationship with Him. Or maybe you're here today and you're just searching, you're just seeking, you've never experienced the free gift of salvation that we receive by faith and by grace of God. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it. I mean, come on, when we need God the most is when we deserve him the least. He doesn't make you get your life cleaned up and all put back together before you come to him. He just says, come to me. I'll help you start to pick up the broken pieces of your life. Listen, if that's you, prodigal son or daughter who's drifted from God or someone who's never confessed Jesus as Lord and received what it feels like to have the weight of your sin and your past and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that the enemy tries to use to hold you down and hinder you from moving forward as a man or woman of faith. Right now, don't wait, right now. Right now, do not wait. Just lift your hand high towards heaven and say, that's me. We wanna pray with you, we wanna pray for you. This is just an outward sign of an inward work. There's nothing magical or super spiritual about lifting your hand. It's just you just saying, I'm gonna, this, is, this is me just outwardly saying, in my heart, I'm committing to live for God. In my heart, I'm saying, I need a savior. I need Jesus. Listen, maybe you're joining us online and watching some other time throughout the week. Maybe you're even by yourself. I think it would be powerfully important for you to even maybe stand to your feet or lift your hand high towards God. You are not responding to a preacher. You're responding to a father. You're responding to your heavenly father. Now, come on, church. We, you know what's coming. If you raise your hand, you can lower it. And if you raised your hand, here's, here's what, what's about to happen. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We're gonna pray this prayer with you because quickly we wanna just show you, man, we wanna come alongside you and encourage you and strengthen you and help you and pray with you and counsel you and minister to you and disciple you, help you begin to move forward in your faith and break free of some of the things that have been holding you back. And we do it for a second reason, and that's because even as we are growing and maturing in our faith, growing as disciples, walking in greater measures of maturity spiritually and victory and God's peace and joy, we recognize all of that is still dependent on grace. We never graduate from grace. So come on, let's pray this. Pray it with fervency today, church. I mean, pray it with these precious people who have responded to Jesus. Come on, let's support them today and repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior and I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, I'll never be the same. 
Come on, say it again. I will never be the same. And then would you rejoice with all of heaven by putting your hands together? Thank you, Lord. Hey, come on. Let's worship the Lord one more time together today. And then we'll dismiss you, get you about your day.